You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount. Yes, this is a bonus edition of the podcast and we're trying something new here, folks. I wanted to break it up a little bit for you during the week to hopefully make it easier for you to listen to all the content. So today, I'll be joined by ESPN's Jameson Hensley to talk about the Baltimore Ravens game. A quick look at Sunday's matchup. Washington is 1-2, and two. there's a long way to go in the season, and a lot of lessons still to be learned, so the more information you have, the better. And heck, if you're a fantasy football player, this is good info as well, so spread the word. I will have another podcast out Thursday, and I can use your help on that one with some mailbag questions for a Therapy Thursday session. I'll also be joined by former Washington receiver Santana Moss. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com, and you can follow Jameson at Jameson Hensley, J-A-M-I-S-O-N-H-E-N-S-L-E-Y. And now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Jameson Hensley. Jameson, first of all, do you feel rested? (laughs) (laughs) These Monday night games are late. I mean, you get older, and it's hard to cope with it. I, I'll just say this. So, I feel like I'm in better shape than some of the Ravens players today, maybe. <laughs> so. Probably are. So what did that game reveal to you? It's, again, and I hate I hate when we keep talking about, oh, this revealed a blueprint on how to beat the Ravens. But it kind of, I think it reiterated a plan of attack for the Ravens. And some of it's it's easier said than done. But in every instance where since Lamar Jackson took over as a starter midway through the 2018 season, teams that are able to jump out to commanding leads just take the Ravens completely out of their game. And I, there is a stat where Lamar Jackson now is 0-5 when he's trailing by 10 points at any point in the game. And even at halftime, he is now Oh, and six when trailing at halftime. So that's going to be the next step for Lamar Jackson is can he lead the Ravens to a significant comeback? And there's a lot of factors that go into it. One, I think, is the Ravens are built to be a run first dominating team. So when they get a lead, they're the best closers in the NFL. But when they are trailing, it forces Lamar Jackson to be one dimensional. And when defenses know he has to throw the ball, I think that's where he struggles. Do they play him differently? Is it more, you know, are they able to, they, is it more, um, can they use more coverages and all that to throw him off a little bit? Is that what goes on there? They also, I think they feel a little bit more freedom to blitz and they, they get a little bit more aggressive. And they say, and it basically, uh, if you're up by 10, 14, 21 points, they're kind of saying, okay, if we blitz and Lamar Jackson runs for 15 yards, They'll take that, 
but they want to get him moving around. And if they get him moving around, he's not as accurate. He's not going to be able to look deep downfield to make those throws. Uh, so I think that's where it really comes to it, where they can feel like they can kind of just go after him and crash the edges. And you saw that against the, the Chiefs last night. He really – and some of it is with the Ravens' offensive line. They lost at right guard, Marshall Yonda, who is a potential Hall of Fame uh, lineman. And it just seemed like when there's a lot of pressure, uh, they have not been able to give Lamar Jackson a safe pocket. It, with Lamar, with that, because the blitz is giving him some problems with that, what is the why do they give him problems? Is it because you know they're waiting for plays to develop? Is he not seeing things fast enough? What is the reason? Yeah, I think really when he gets the ball and they're crashing at him, uh, he likes to go through his progression. He is it, Lamar Jackson is known, and I know a lot of people go, oh, well, he's a running quarterback. Well, as a passer, he is known for his vision. He can kind of feel where there's leverages. He has very good at scanning the field. But when he feels there's a lot of pressure coming in, he can take off and hurt you that way. But if he knows he's trailing and he has to get that ball and he has to attack you throwing the ball, it kind of takes him off his progressions a little bit. And I think that's where... He, sh- he gets in trouble at times. And last night, I mean, uh, on Monday night, 97 yards passing. That's his lowest of his career. So uh, th- this is going to be a, a, a situation now for the Ravens where Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, they can win the rest of their games. I mean, they can go 15-1, and one, but people are going to say, can he, win the play- can he win in the playoffs? Can he beat the Chiefs? I mean, there's going to be doubts now, and he's not going to be able to answer any of these questions until January. And he, there's obviously they try to get him some more weapons too. And Marquise Brown, a good opener, yeah. but that downfield passing game hasn't been there the way I think you know Lamar worked on that in the offseason with his mechanics and all that. But it hasn't been there. What's happened since that first game? Besides they were playing the Browns, what's happened since then that maybe has taken that away, or it's been an issue, or been, hasn't been the success they hope? Yeah, and uh, honestly, I, I'm just I'm surprised they're not taking more consistent shots. With, with Brown downfield because he's the fastest player. I mean, he is arguably as fast as Tyreek Hill. And you see how the Chiefs use Hill. And I think that the, the Ravens should pick up a few things, what they what the Chiefs do with Hill, and, do, and get Brown. Because it seems like there are times when the, he just disappears. And if you have the fastest <laughs> receiver in the league, why don't you line him up on the outside? And I don't care if they have a safety on top. He is so fast straight line speed, just take one or two shots deep downfield, just throw it up to him. And the, the Ravens just haven't done that. And I, I think that's where – I think if they can kind of connect on that and, and get a little bit more consistency on that, that opens up everything else. Uh, and it's just that they, he has kind of disappeared too much. And I know that they're trying to do some more crossing patterns and things like that, but it, it's pretty simple to me. He is a fast guy. Get him on some go routes. And even if you miss on him a little bit, at least give them a threat of doing it. And I don't think they're doing that enough with him. And I would think this week, <laughs> Washington's had a hard time with teams getting behind them at times. I would think that this is a chance for that to get healthy for them, perhaps. <laughs> they would they would, they so, would, love that because that's the thing where I, I think teams now, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be coming after Lamar. And they're, they're going to see if he can kind of rebound from, from this game. And we'll, we'll, we'll see. And Lamar has done very well. And that's kind of the shocker of this Chiefs game because uh, the Ravens had won five straight games by double digits. They, they hadn't led or they hadn't trailed in the second half in, uh, I think it was 13 straight games. 
so when they have a game where they just kind of – it's almost role reversal. They're the team that's getting pushed around, getting beat up. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond to that. How, what kind of target is Mark Andrews for him? Very good. And again, but, you know, he had a great – and he has. He's been the most consistent weapon for, for Lamar Jackson over the time. But uh, Andrews dropped two passes uh, on Monday night, one in the end zone, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, he, is, he loves looking at that middle of the field. And uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny because as soon as he took over uh, for Joe Flacco in 2018, it, him and Mark Andrews had this instant connection. They called it – they had like the street ball connection where the play would break down and for, you know, it would always seem like Lamar would find Mark Andrews. And he, he's fast, uh, but Mark Andrews has a great feel for where it's open as far as whether it's man-to-man zone, he has a, fi- a great way of getting open. And I think Lamar kind of – he almost comes into this security blanket type mode where he knows at any point if he has to go somewhere, he knows Mark Andrews is going to work the way to get open. I think that's where kind of that connection really built. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lono Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, O-A-K coffee.com use promo code coffee 2020 for a discount you can thank me later with that defense and you know they're not facing the Chiefs offense this week you know so it's so it's a little bit you know I don't want to focus too much on what they showed that game but in the first couple games they had success against the Browns you know they you know they go out and win another game so like what in Houston too and so what have you liked about this defense and what are the things that concern you? What I've been so impressive is the secondary and they did lose their nickelback Tavon young uh, two games ago uh, to a torn ACL. So he's done for the season, but still you, you have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters as the corners and they are really turnover machines. They, they really Marcus Peters uh, leads the league in interceptions since he came in league in 2015. Marlon Humphrey plays that position like a linebacker. He is so physical. He is always going for the ball. Uh, they, they, if the Ravens can get any sort of a pass rush, uh, the, the quarterbacks are going to have a hard time finding open, open guys out there. So uh, that is really what has impressed me. But I think the Ravens have spent this all season in trying to really improve that front seven. They, they traded for Class Campbell, the defensive end. They signed Derek Wolf. Uh, the defensive tackle from the Broncos. They drafted Patrick Queen in the first round to be their middle linebacker. Uh, on Monday night, Queen struggled so much 
that they benched him for a handful of games or a handful of snaps. They, they took him off to the side. Uh, so this is a big game for, for the rookie first round pick Patrick queen. They, they want him to get on track. Uh, and this is a, you know, when you're going against a, a, a an offense that is not anywhere close to the chiefs and there's not many offenses right. that are uh, they're, they're hoping over the next few weeks, they can kind of rebuild the confidence of Patrick queen. Where did he struggle? Cause they, one thing that Washington can do, and we, I think people have been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it is they do have a couple of running backs yes. that can hurt you. Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. And you're starting to see more and more the last couple of weeks, them getting a little bit more involved. So where was, where was he hurt last night? And is that an area that Washington some, can exploit? Some, some of it was coverage. Uh, some of it was just a little hesitancy. Uh, and because with the chiefs, they're, they're always doing a lot of motion, uh, a lot of, Crossing, you know, it, you have to be really on point. And the, he had some confusion out there. So that's when they went and they added uh, Chris Board and, and LJ Ford, more of the experienced guys out there. But the, what they lose is Patrick Queen's athleticism and speed. And so that that's what they, they just have to get him, I think, really focusing on where is his keys? What should he be doing? Uh, because I think once it, it really was a snowball effect with the Chiefs, uh, you know, the, the Ravens hadn't allowed more, a team to score more than 21 points in quite a long time. And they allowed 27 mm-hmm. points to the Chiefs in the first half. Uh, I think there was a little bit of a, a shock, you know, a, a little bit like what is just happening out there. And I think for, for Patrick Queen, uh, it, it really does is it's he has to get back to, OK, what what is he supposed to do? and not try to do too much. And I think that's kind of what was really happening to him. Uh, being a young player, uh, seeing his defense struggling, he's supposed to be the man in the middle. Uh, and I think that's what kind of hurt him. I think they really have to simplify things for him going in, going forward, going, and especially going against this game. And last thing, because, um, you know, one of the matchups to me, you could look up front with the lines. And with, with the Ravens defensive line, you mentioned they focused on mm-hmm. that. Is it good enough? And, you know, can they – I know I've seen the total, six sacks. That doesn't always tell you anything other than they have six sacks. So what – how have they been doing? And is that an area where will they need to blitz a guy like Dwayne Haskins? Or are they going to rely on just, hey, this front four can do the job? Yeah, and, and the Ravens, what they do – and they they have a pretty good history uh, in going against uh, rookie and first and, and, and second-year quarterbacks. Uh, and what they try to do, it's not just be overly aggressive. And, and the Ravens defense coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, is the most aggressive. I mean, he, no team blit has blitzed more uh, since Martindale became the defensive coordinator. But what they try to do with young quarterbacks is they try to not show things more than once. They are, they are going to be – they're very good at uh, the, the zone blitzes. And uh, you have seen Calais Campbell, who, I mean, he's listed 6'7", but he looks like he's seven feet tall. Um, he, he's he's huge. huge. He will drop He will drop back. It's something he never did in Jacksonville. He will drop back uh, and, and it creates this huge, massive guy in the middle sometimes. Uh, and it's something that you don't really, you're not prepared to see a lot of times. So they will try to try to load up the line of scrimmage. You know, I will not be surprised if you see uh, nine, ten guys, you know, going across that line, and you just don't know which players are blitzing, which guys are going back. Uh, but they're going to do as much as possible to where they want Dwayne Haskins when he comes to that line, thinking, "Okay, what's going on? You know, what do I have to prepare for? Where, where do I need to put the protection? Uh, you know, shift the protection." 
Uh, they want to put a lot of pressure on him pre-snap. Jameson, I appreciate you joining me. Great insight. Great. Thank you so much, John. I told you it was quick. That's it for this episode. If you have a mailbag question, send it to me on Twitter at John underscore Kime, K-E-I-M. Don't forget to support our sponsors, Lono Coffee. That's lonocoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Talk to you Thursday.